Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. We are recording this Sunday night, uh, shortly under a day after Game 4, a Phoenix Suns win. I was in L.A. for in the Staples Center. I'm back in Phoenix. Kevin remains in Phoenix. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing well. Um, trying to rest up before we hit another long week. You obviously have not had rest, I assume. Yeah, I was I was telling you before, like uh, I kind of uh, tricked. I, I I love doing this, and this has just like been so much fun to cover playoff series. Like we were talking about at the start of the podcast, we're like, we don't really know how we're gonna do this, so we're just gonna do it. But uh, set myself into a trap, kind of previewing every game, just like making myself right, which is what I want to do anyway, you know. So, but I just decided when I got back from the airport today, like you know what, I need a three hour nap, so I'm gonna do that. And, you deserve uh, just, it. You deserve it. Thanks, buddy. Just watched uh, the game back, and that was such a crazy game with a lot of different angles and was one of those where I, I, I'm i sure you can relate to this and Suns fans can relate to it, where from a fan perspective, I think what it is is 15 minutes after the game, you're starting to process, okay, like what just happened how did everything kind of come together? What were like the themes of the game, that kind of stuff and so on. Like obviously for a fan, uh, as a fan, like me and you are both fans of teams, obviously it's not like we're like immune to this thing. You get like yourself, like emotionally invested into certain angles of the game. Like I'm sure there were a good portion of Suns fans who were very frustrated with Devin's play last night. I'm sure there were a lot of Suns fans who were just, over the moon excited about how DeAndre played every pretty much every possession. Um, so, but for me and like for writing, I don't know how you are, Kevin. I think it's the same way where you can't even really think about it until after you're done writing, if that makes sense. Like you, you write the entire thing and then you're kind of able to look at the game as a whole. And that's why I was really interested to talk to you about this game because I'm, I kind of got all over the place with it. Um, afterwards there was so much going on so much to cover got into it but I I think where I want to start this conversation and ask you is do you think 3-1 Suns is a fair representation of how this series has unfolded so far yeah I think it's fair because they've deserved to win Um, I don't think it's representative of how well the Clippers have played because I think it could be 2-2. I think it could be 1-3 the other direction. Um, I I think the Suns earned it, though, and that's what I keep coming back to. Like you said, like there was just so many things to take in after last night's game that was so ugly and just had these different moments. And like I was watching with people over, which is weird because I haven't done that very much because of the whole pandemic thing. So like I watched it back today, too, and it, it did justify like what I was feeling, which was I don't think the Suns played necessarily very well at all offensively for lots of the game. Um, 
But when you watch it back, you do see a lot of great, great possessions defensively where the effort's just off the charts. And you can tell that like both teams were super tired and run down and um, like Zubat's playing that much when he has not been in the rotation consistently was impressive for them. Um, DA taking to heart, like he has to outplay that dude and doing what he did was impressive. So I just think we, we can like sit here and say, Oh yeah. Like that 71 to 70 score that was just sitting there for like 20 whole minutes or whatever it actually was like, that's bad offense, but also like sometimes that's just how the game goes and that's how the flow goes. And um, the effort on both sides, I think was unreal. So I think whatever the result to answer your question of being three, one, I think the Suns earned it. I think that they deserved that game last night easily. I, I definitely agree. Um, I think to like, you were saying like, this is how certain things goes. I think this is just how the playoff goes. Playoffs go sometimes, right? Where, you're a value and the Clippers having any offensive like fluidity or organization in that fourth quarter last night away from being down three, one in this series. Like that's, but that's how a lot of playoff series go. That's how just a, a lot of these types of series go when two teams stylistically match up really well with each other in terms of them, both not being afraid of a fight and just bringing on like a super physical kind of slowed down game like this. Uh, and a lot of things can come down to like the margins. And I, I just think that it's just a weird series for me. Is kind of the point that I wanted to get to is because I believe the Suns have deserved to be, a, they deserve to be up three, one. I think they have without a doubt been the better team in this series. But if you zoom out and look at game by game, Book has maybe the best game of his career in game one campaign without a doubt has the best game of his career in game two. And then Deandre probably has the best game of his career in game four. All of those were Suns wins. So in all of those wins, they got one player playing out of their minds basically to get the win, but it doesn't feel like this is like some kind of miracle thing where they're kind of putting these, like this is coming out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like it's undeserved or anything like that which is my way of saying, and, and what I'm writing about to preview game five is like, I guess the Suns just don't know how to play like a regular ho-hum playoff series. Cause every single one has to be like weird in its own way. And that's the weirdest part of this one to me where everything adds up like that. I, I believe three, one is correct for like the way the series has gone over the four games, but it also could, could be vastly different really, really easily in, in a lot yeah. of different ways. Yeah, I mean, the Paul George missed free throws, setting up game two, and one play last night that really stuck out to me, and I should have remembered this, but it was out of a timeout, and I believe it was somewhere after the 71-70 where just no one scored for a long time. But, like, the Suns come out of a timeout, and they had just – the Clippers have been doing awesome – stopping mid-range shots, and that was Zubats a lot, coming up and meeting Chris Paul and Devin – um, and letting the backside help kind of take Aiton out of it. And Monty just drew up this play. It wasn't complicated or anything, but Chris Paul came off the pick and roll, and DA just had a, a lob for an alley-oop, and it was just preying on what the Clippers had been doing. Um, and, and they had been switching also a lot late in that game. And so it's just little plays like that where it's like, oh, they they just called the play to – 
go at where they were defending Chris Paul off the screen, like in the mid range. And it left the backside open, how everyone else was moving around and, and stuff like that, I think makes a huge difference in that kind of close ball game where points are at a premium. Um, and I, I don't know, it's just like stuff like that just matters more. Um, and when people are just missing shots, book just couldn't get a feel for it. I don't even know if, you know, Chris Paul just, he had like tape on his um, right hand middle and index finger. Like, I don't know if that matters, but just there are these little things where they're down and like Monty just calls a great play and it's, it's two huge points. So yeah, I, I think to get back to the, who deserves to be up three one, I think that's, what stands out to me still. Yeah, let's talk about DeAndre. Um, watching the game back, his ability to like be a fluid mechanism within the defense, I think that's the best way to describe it, is pretty amazing. Uh, because like his ability to be in like that, I'm not really sure what the basketball term is, but not necessarily a drop, but when he's like a couple steps up, and he's tracking the ball handler for a couple of steps and then allowing Book to get back, and then DeAndre will recover back to Zubac or whatever like that. That coverage, he was pretty much almost perfect in, in this game. He, it was it was remarkable to watch. And, like, there were some times when he would do it in years two and three where he did it with Mikel, and it seemed like he just had a really good rhythm with Mikel in order to switch out. And he was doing it with Devin in this game. He was doing it with, like, I think Cam Johnson, Chris Paul in this game. He was... He was amazing, and I wish we could record this before we talk to Monty pregame because I'm going to ask him about that and just the the mix of like recognition in terms of where exactly he needs to be, and then the confidence in knowing he knows like where to be and that he can do it and like all that kind of stuff like for a young player because it seems like everything in that regard just came together and built to kind of this game for him specifically. I alluded to it in the in the uh, recap, Kevin, the written words, that that's the type of game that you see him potentially becoming that player in a few years' time where he's the defensive player of the year. Like, he was pretty unbelievable in, in the game. Yeah, I, I saw you tweeting about that, and I guess, like, people don't think about what it's like to run a pick and roll on the other end defensively where it it depends who you're doing it with, right? Like book probably is not as good as getting around screens as Mikel and, and, and timing has a lot to do with that and just getting to know your teammates. So for Deandre, like it's, it's not a hedge really, but it's, it's kind of just taking that space away from the driver until book recovers or whoever it is. And I just think that's experience that's staying on the court for, you know, he's been playing like, upwards of 35 minutes all the playoff long. So he's just like in this really good groove, good rhythm. And I, what's cool about him is we always talked about like when he would play Jokic, it would look bad the first time he played him. It'll look a little better the second time. And then the third time it's like, Oh, he, he like, you can tell he's getting this dude's moves or he knows the rhythm of the guy. And to me, he's really showing out playing the same team in a playoff series, obviously over and over again, where he's just, my dog is barking, but he's just understanding and learning like how 
the series is going and he gets better as it goes on, which I think speaks to like, we don't talk about his basketball IQ enough, but I think that's a huge thing when you watch him play defense. And so last night when he's, you know, getting in the right spot and then seeing, okay, books recovered, get back to Zubats. That's, that's huge. And he just was doing that for what he played 40 minutes, I think. Yeah, he was, he was unbelievable. Um, I asked him post game about film and how much he personally is enjoying like the dynamics of a playoff series where he can watch film and make his own like individual adjustments for the game because like obviously like he'll watch it when like they're playing Charlotte one night and then they're in Chicago the next night or whatever and like see where he can improve but like this is actually stuff where he can see like a missed opportunity potentially that he had or like a coverage that he should have been there or he sees the way Reggie Jackson comes off a screen there and he can actually have that impact the next game they play and I asked him just like about that kind of process and he, and he started smiling and he he seemed to just he kind of broke it down and just saying like what he sees and what he like tries to look for in the film. And it just seemed to, to me in the game, at least it really came across with like, this is a guy that prepares and can get better as a playoff series goes on just because of how he's not only feeling it out game to game, but also like seeing it on, on film. Because if you don't know that about Deandre, like he's always talked about since his rookie year, how much he watches film and like his rookie year, since those games were going worse for him than, any of the other ones in his career, he would always say like, I can't wait to go home and watch it. Like when he played good or bad, he would always say that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And, and now it's just like, it comes together now in a playoff series where it can actually help him impact a couple of possessions where he might not before. And it's, uh, it's really cool to like, see that kind of process come together for him. Yeah. And just an- another thing with him is just the being in shape. Cause I know there were moments you know, coming out of the well rookie year all year long, coming out of his suspension last year, where it was just like, man, like a lot of his struggles and tail spinning was just not being in shape. And he would just, um, you could tell he was tired. Um, and last night after playing 40 minutes or whatever, I don't remember the timestamp exactly again, but Reggie Jackson, he switched onto him on an island and and just did a great job moving his feet and did all the stuff that he's been talking about. He's he's good at, um, but you're not good at that if you're tired, right? Like, you know, it was perimeter players would have trouble on that play, and he was right there and um, contested a shot that was a miss. So I, I think that's an important part of it too. Is you know we talk about like what Chris Paul has influenced him on it just being in shape. Like he had all the tools and he's obviously just in awesome shape right now and able to go that long and do things like that, that aren't supposed to be done by centers in this modern age or whatever you call it. Current times. Indeed. The, the, the old current times today's the NBA current times. Is known, Kevin. <laughs> uh, now. to talk about the game a little bit more and looking ahead in the series, it's very relevant to me what's going on in Atlanta right now. Chris Middleton has like 17 in the fourth quarter or something, and now Milwaukee's up seven. And to bring that back to the Clippers series, I've been really hammering home um, to the point where if people have been listening to me on enough like the shows and, and these types of things, like I'm probably annoyed by me making the same point, but like the Clippers just don't have that much offensive firepower and they're relying solely on Paul George and Reggie Jackson pretty much to be the one, two. 
And those two guys were both excellent in the five games prior to game four that Kawhi had missed. Both of them were three of 11 at halftime. George didn't really bounce back a ton, but Reggie Jackson certainly did. And to me, that's really been like the biggest difference in this series is because like what looking at the names on the court right now, like you've got Trey young, you've got Herter, you've got Bogdanovich, even like Gallo is a guy for Atlanta too. And then obviously I just mentioned Middleton, there's Giannis for sure. Um, And then I guess like Drew can be kind of put in that situation too, where you've got like three, four guys on these teams and, and like one or two like humongous names that could just explode at any time offensively. And the Clippers just don't have that. Like Reggie's explosion is basically what's happening right now. It's averaging 20, 25. Like he's not going to put up 40 in a game. I don't want to jinx it for Suns fans, but like he's not going to put up 40 in some game or whatever. But like a lot of the guys that I just mentioned on that, probably not Gallo, but I mean, Herder had that huge game already earlier in the playoffs. Uh, we, we know Bogey can get hot. So I, I think that that's just what's really been missing for me in terms of looking at the Clippers as a team that can take out the Suns. But with that being said, Kevin, I still feel like this series is very much a series. You know what I mean? I think my prediction uh, prior to game four was Suns and five, and I feel much less certain about that. Uh, and I, if you want to talk about like the Clippers options or, or this, which is that like after the way book played in game four, I think the series is much more alive because like he just cannot find his rhythm in, in this series for whatever reason, mask knows Beverly, whatever it is, like his own individual play going down, what whatever it is, like he can't figure it out right now. Yeah. There were just, they look like blown defensive assignments early on last night. Um, it, yeah. He just seems like he's in a funk. Um, even after the, the dramatic throwing away the mask, um, it just wasn't going. And there was one play where he just pulls up. He actually made it, but he pulled up for a 15 footer and it was like a, a clear path to the rim and he had someone on his back, but it's just like his things are going fast for him or something, or he's, um, pressing and I, I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, that's hard to say because it's like, well, if he just plays like his old self, then I I feel good for the Suns and they might just end it soon. Um, But I agree with you. It's again, the the Clippers know how to play. They did an awesome job shutting down the mid range and inviting other things to happen to them. And the Suns really couldn't find the right answers. And I was screaming on Twitter, like they're just not running offense for portions. Um, and again, that's feel, and that's something that I probably can't speak on too harshly because, like, just how how a game's going, they're trying to attack stuff. But um, they were so. If I could chime in there, like in the fourth, they were running stuff. Yeah, but it was it was like two motions with the elbow here. He has the ball, dribble for five seconds. Oh, nothing's happening. Time to make something happen. Kind of deal. Yeah. The Clippers, Kevin, if anyone wants to like use their, like if they have an ESPN login or the game DVR, go watch the Clippers offensive possession in the fourth quarter because my God, uh, yeah. Pat Bev got an open corner three with like two minutes left, three minutes left. Man had that bucket. But other than that, Kevin, like I don't remember them getting a good look. And again, some of it was Suns defense, but a lot of it was the Clippers. Like uh, watching it back, I felt like the Clippers lost that game even more than I thought. 
in in the fourth. They were brutal offensively. Yeah, yeah. and again, that's you, I guess you credit the Suns for playing good defense. Um, lots of the time for them's really pressing, but it's just, it is weird how like different each of these games has taken on just an entirely different feel. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the Suns do coming back home. Um, because I just think that, man, I, I don't know how close the Suns are to playing like themselves because they haven't for a few games now. And that's where I think the concern levels like rise um, even though they've obviously pulled out two really, really tough ones. Yeah, and, and if we're looking ahead, let's just say looking ahead in general, Kevin, let's say game five is not the end of this series, or let's say it's the end of the series and they're moving on to the finals, unless there is like that type of, I believe it was 31 assists and seven turnovers in game one If I off the top of my head. Sounds, sounds correct. Right. Yeah. Unless it is that type of performance offensively, I'm not going to have a ton of optimism about them going forward offensively um, in, in the playoffs because they're in a real rut. 16 assists last night. That was the least amount they've had in a game in the regular season or the playoffs. It, I mean, if you watch that game back and, and we saw it in real time, like eight or nine of their shots went in and out. It was kind of crazy. Monty said like he's never seen anything like that before. Chris had like four on his own. Um, but they've got to figure it out in some kind of way. And I know a lot of people are going to be saying, get DeAndre the ball, just give it to Aiden in the post. I don't know <laughs> where you've it. been. All, I don't know where you've been all year, man. And look, you can say, well, earlier in the year, he wasn't playing that as well. And now he's playing really well. So you got to give him the ball. That's not how it works either. I'm sorry. It's just not in the offense. It's not how it works. And you can be, you can choose to be critical of the Suns as like design offensively and say that it's flawed in that way that they built an offense around not around like a big man at all in terms of having functionality within it for some post touches, but it's just not, it's not the system, man. And like Monty's going to say after every game, like he needs to do a better job of getting Deandre the ball, but it is what it is, you know, and it's just not their offense. And again, he absolutely dominated game four without those post touches. He had that post, that fadeaway on the baseline, but that was like a late clock situation, you know? Yeah. Um, it's going to be those like three to four touches a game where he has a chance to take the jumper or, t- or take a couple of dribbles or whatever, but that's about it. And it's going to have to be on the Suns guards there. I'm, I'm running up the game five preview right now, Kevin. They went at Zubac, Zubac a lot more, which was uh, good to see for them. Uh, because they needed to. They really didn't in game three. I think a lot of that was just Chris getting used to basketball again after 11 days of uh, being in the protocols. All six of uh, Paul's field goals were going at Zubak. So I expect to see a lot more of that in game five, or I expect the Clippers to go back to going small. Um, The latter would be very surprising considering how DeAndre absolutely mauled them. Uh, and, and mauled their smaller lineup too. The Morris minutes were brutal for them. Um, but with that in mind, that's where that's the only place where Chris was able to find a rhythm. So I wonder the the tug and pull there for the master of adjustments as Ty Lue is beca- uh, getting to be known. Book was able to find some some space, but it was on straight line drives quickly. And that's where you alluded to, like he was playing faster and, and it's kind of because he had to. But then like you've got to learn how to do that while not being out of control. They threw some outlet passes 
that which were good at the beginning of the game to increase the pace, but then they got away from it. Can you sustain that level of tempo more consistently? I'm not saying play fast the entire game. That's impossible with the way this series is played. You'll be gassed by the second quarter, but just like a little bit more over the game. Uh, those are like the three things I'm, I'm writing about and wanted to touch on on the podcast because I think like two or three of those need to come to fruition for them to win that game, Kevin, because uh, I, I think it's going to be a tight one. I think the lines were like pretty skewed towards the Suns in Vegas and can't say I agree there because I think it's going to be a very close game again, unless the Suns just figure it out offensively. I think one key for me is just looking for the drive. Um, I feel like the Suns, like I said, have been hunting that mid range and the clips did a really good job of having Zubas come up. Um, I talked about the alley of Tayden, but also there was a book drive. I think it was the first play out of the third quarter to fourth quarter break where he just got to the rim because they were coming up too much. He just flew out there and um, got a lefty layup. And then the the other one, I think it was a late bucket where Chris Paul got all the way to the rim, which he's, he's not going to do that very often, but um, just how their defense was trying to stop the mid range, I think is opening up more rim stuff, honestly. And so I think they need to be, aware of that just because also when if, if if it's another tough offensive game for the Suns like just draw fouls go to the rim get go challenge them and make them value and I, I think that's going to be a huge part going forward in this series yeah and to a point probably should have I probably should have brought up earlier and something I talked about with John Bloom on the post game show this is why we spent all year talking about how much of a difference it makes when you're a good defensive team. Because if you are a, a good defensive team that is able to hit really high gears and in, in key times like they're able to, you can still win games playing offense like this. You can in the playoffs. Um, yeah. It's the right opposition to do that, of course, because they're limited offensively. But with that in mind, like they, that was some of their best defense all season, and it won them the game, particularly DeAndre's performance individually. Um so that's important, and it's a key part of their identity. But I think whenever I think about this team and when they're at their best, I just think about the ball movement, the player movement, point five, and those two guards doing what they do. And we have not seen them do that since booking game one. Yeah. Um, so I think until we see that, there's going to be a certain lack of confidence from me and in, in them just kind of going forward right now because I, I after one game i was like ah, it's one game after two games oh, okay chris and, and the mask and all that kind of stuff like he was away for 11 days um for both of them but now it's like we're at a trend you know i feel comfortable yeah. enough in saying it's a trend that they need to buck can we can we shout out abdul nader for showing up and Monty just like being like all right we need a dude who can add a little punch on defense maybe slash which again is to the point of like maybe that changes things and it's open um, but I think the really cool part about just watching this team is Monty put like there's a late defensive possession final seconds where Tory Craig comes out from not playing ever and Nader's out there at the same time and he has those two guys on the court and trusts them. So I think that's another thing that just stood out to me as far as like this great defensive effort and you put those two dudes out there even though they've hardly played and it, it was fine. Like that's that stood out to me, I think. 
Yeah, Nader had that drive on Kennard on the baseline that didn't go in, but when I asked Monty about Abdul playing, he mentioned that play. is like, that's the type of play. And it, it pretty much just went back to something like what I tweeted when he came back was like, look, like if they think they need like a change of style somewhere in the rotation that they can get, that's the obvious one where like his pace, his slashing fits in. Now I know he's not a favorite for a lot of Suns fans because of like how out of control he can be sometimes, how out of pocket, as the kids say, Kevin, where it feels <laughs> like it's it's a little bit too much from, from Abdul Nader given his role, but that's why they like him, Kevin, because he's, he's a confident, aggressive player. And, and that's kind of what they need for those situations. So I don't know if I... I'm not that crazy about it, playing him over Craig, but at the same time, I think for everything that Craig does well defensively, Abdul's a pretty good defender in his own right, a pretty good rebounder in his own right. And I think he he spent a couple minutes on Reggie Jackson, and, that, and that's where it can kind of be differentiated a bit, where I think he's a bit better on guards than Craig is, even if Craig is good there. And Craig also wasn't really doing much for two or three games in this series either, but he was awesome in the first two series. So um, it's hard to say. Uh, anything else on game five, Kevin, before we go? No, I think that's it. It's just going to be another interesting watch as to whether this is a completely different feel or if the Suns kind of at least offensively look like themselves. Can I call my shot? Yeah. I think we're going to get a Mikel game. Ooh. 14, 5, 13, and 6 for him. In these four games, he's averaging nine and a half a game, but he's shooting 49%. He's just not been able to find a lot of shots within himself. Um, And I believe, so he's shooting 49% from the field, only 23% on threes, which means in this series, he must be shooting. Like I can't do the math right now in front of me, but like what, 60% on twos, 65, 70, something like that. Denver series, he had 23 in game one, 16 in game two. Um, 14 in game four, 11 in, in game three. It was in double figures for all four. I think there's just like a really nice opening there for him to have a better offensive game. And I think we're going to see it, Kev. Calling my shot. All right. I like that. Fun prediction. We'll be back to see how much of an idiot I am on calling my shot. <laughs> uh, after game five, will that be uh, our last game for a bit? Or will, will Kel hop on another airplane? And uh, be heading back to L.A. We'll we'll see. And uh, we'll talk to you guys after game five. Then, goodbye.